Do you want your business to grow faster? Are you open to new and out-of-the-box ways to drive revenues and increase value? How do you imagine the most successful entrepreneurs and business leaders double, triple, or expand their businesses tenfold or more? The answer is deals. This is a weekly podcast featuring conversations with business owners, executives, and leaders as we reveal behind-the-scenes details that give you, our listeners, the confidence to pursue your own deal-driven growth. On the show, we discuss a huge variety of deals, everything from large complex mergers and acquisitions to smaller deals that you can do even without significant capital. My name is Corey Kupfer, and I've been supporting deal-driven growth for businesses for 35 years as a successful entrepreneur, professional negotiator, and attorney. My goal is to help you strategize, plan for, find, and complete deals that will help your company grow faster. Welcome to the DealQuest podcast. Let's get started. This is another solo cast, and this week I want to talk to you about some of the lessons and experiences that I had at the Echelon Deal and Dealmakers Summit. You've heard me talk about that conference before because I, I go to it every year, and it's in Southern California, easy drive for me from my California place, but that's not the reason I go. It just makes it easier. It's because it's one of the preeminent M&A conferences in the investment advisor wealth management space. And Dan Siebert runs Echelon uh, Partners, a one of the great investment banking firms in the space. And I like the way he and his team do the conference. And frankly, for anybody who's running a conference in any industry, so many conferences are many days. I would try to pack in all this content over a lot of days. This conference runs basically late afternoon into the evening and then a full day. So it's a day and a half, not even... And this is not the only one I've seen that way. Frankly, one of the other investment bankers in the space, Dave DeVoe, runs a similar uh, type of conference in a similar time frame. And I, I just think it's smart to keep it short and tight. You get people in, you get people out, you hit the best topics. I like that format. Now, in terms of lessons, I'll tell you, first of all, and listen, this is not a knock on any conference. I'm a big believer that some of the best parts about going to a conference are actually not the content, despite the fact that the content was very strong at the Echelon Conference, and I will talk about some of it. But frankly, if you're not setting up meetings, especially these days when people hardly see each other in person many times, if you're not having those great conversations in the hallways or at meals or setting up meetings, then I don't think uh, you're doing it right. And I don't mean that. I'm not looking to judge anybody, but that's just my opinion. I had several of my clients, many of uh, several of my clients down there, many of my industry contacts down there, and it was great to reconnect with them and see them, obviously spend time with them over meals. I also set up a, a specific meeting on a new venture that a new client, uh, about to be a client and, and some uh, key players uh, that I do in the industry are involved in. So that was fantastic. I also had a great dinner with Rick Dennett and his team from Oak Street, one of the one of the phenomenal lenders in the space. It's great to spend time with Rick. I've, I've known him and some of his folks for, for a while, but we hadn't spent time in a little while. I went out to a great dinner. I'm not doing this episode just to talk to you about the, the great meetings I had without giving specifics, which of course I can in a lot of cases. But I, but I just want to start out before I get into the content about the opportunity, whether it's in the deal space or otherwise, to use conferences to make key connections with folks. And, and catch up and get that in-person time because, again, we, we really have that these days. And it's, it's actually really nice. It was it was great. I was at the Ritz-Carlton down in Dana Point, beautiful setting overlooking the water. It was a great job by Echelon and team this year and, and every year. So some of the themes from the conference and what people are talking about, certainly private equity. There was, there was a panel on private equity. Several of, of the folks uh, who lead some of the private equity firms were, were, were talking 
And listen, if you know anything about this space, and, and listen, I know all of our listeners are not, in fact, many of our listeners are not in the RA wealth, wealth management space, but it's a great study. And I say this on many of the episodes we do that talk about this space, because it is a big niche for us, although we do have clients in, across industries as well. But it's a great indication or a case study or things to, to look at of a maturing industry, right? You know, where 10, 12 years ago, there was no money in the space, not even lending. Now you have like the Oak Streets and the other lenders in the space. And, and then you have not only private equity, but other capital sources, minority investors, family offices, things like that coming into the space and how that's triggered more consolidation and more funding for, for tuck-ins and bigger acquisitions and how that is causing differences in the space involving whether it's obviously heightened multiples in terms of valuation, whether it's additional access to capital for growth, whether it's the ability to to take some chips off the table. Those are all things that have developed in the last 10, 12 years in terms of starting with the lending capital that wasn't even available in the space a dozen so years ago. But now certainly in the last five years, it's really accelerated growth. And I had clients there who were buyers. I had clients there who were looking to sell. We Again, I won't mention any names or specifics, but we had just closed a, a first wirehouse acquisition deal for an acquirer that had uh, been doing many uh, independent firm acquisitions. And the president of that company was there. I won't mention it yet. I, it's possible. I think by the time this airs, it may be announced, but I don't want to take any chances. Obviously, I need to be careful with client confidences. But I had everything from that to clients who were there who were just starting to look at potentially selling, all right, exiting. And they're just learning the M&A space, learning the deal space. And it was a phenomenal conference for them as well. So you get everything from the, the people who try to figure out what this is all about to the seasoned pros in the space at a conference like this. And, and it was great connecting people, making introductions. That was fantastic. There was also actually two debates, which we could vote on who won. Traditionally, Dan has debated Mark Tabergian, who's, of course, the former head of Pershing's custody business, since retired and uh, made clear at the conference that last year was his last debate. So Dan, the next up to debate Dan, after all the years that Mark's had been doing it, was Dave Burton from Mercer. And he did a great job. In fact, I think if I remember right, he beat Dan by one in terms of the voting. But just in terms of best practices for a conference, I love that they do that. Now, they're each assigned a position and and they debate the position, whether they believe in it or not. And that's classic debate, right? So if you are doing any debate in, in school or whatever, you don't always debate the side you agree with. But then they would afterwards say what they what they actually felt, which might be consistent or inconsistent with their position. And the topics were a lot about the things you might expect today around growth and around capital and around deal structure and things like that. And it was just a, it was just a fun time. Let's take a break from the show for a minute so I can invite you to a new way to determine your deal readiness. I created a fast and easy assessment that will determine exactly how deal ready you are. Once you complete the assessment, I use your responses to identify the obstacles that are holding you back from being a deal-driven growth genius. It's as easy as heading to coreycupfer.com slash assessment. That's coreycupfer.com slash assessment and filling out a few multiple choice questions. I'll be checking in after the episode to see what your results are. Now back to the show. I don't know, and, and, the, and this is not, I don't know if there are any great revelations, and that's not a knock in any way. It's just that the, the themes are pretty consistent in this space in terms of having your 15 or 20 aggregator, integrator, acquisition firms, whatever you want to call them, doing deals and, and continuing to do deals more money coming into the space. Those themes continued. 
Certainly, it was an MA-focused space, but there was some talk about that there is still plenty of folks coming into the space and that the smaller advisors will never go away. And I believe that's the case too. I think if you look at a, at accounting firms, it's a good parallel, which is small firms have not disappeared despite co- consolidation in that industry. But what's happened is it's tough to be in the middle. And I think that's what will continue to evolve here, meaning that small boutique firms and this industry, you can be a, a small boutique firm and make a very nice living and provide great customized service for your clients. And then the very the bigger and bigger firms being in that middle. And what does that mean in this space? If you're under 500 million, under six, 700 million, let's say under five, you can, in, in assets under management, that might be manageable and stay small. Once you start pushing up in that six, seven, and certainly get close to a billion, when AUM, that, that middle ground there, right? But once you get to two billion plus and you continue to grow from there, well, now, now you get into some of the bigger firms, although nowadays hitting a billion used to be really big and, and, and you know, now it's not as much. But, but listen, I, I remember when I started the law practice in 1990, no, 1985, the Skadden Ops was the biggest law firm back then. And, that, and if I remember right, they had 380 attorneys. I was at a firm that had 280, so the top front uh, firm in that range. And it, now there are firms of thousands of attorneys. So I think whether you look at that, whether you look at the accounting firms, whether you look at what's happened in the insurance industry and other places, this is just the evolution that's occurring. But again, I think they'll continue to be small firms. And, and most of the, pretty much the speakers agreed with that who were there. There was, I'm not going to break down the details of every panel and, and every speaker. The theme was certainly optimistic in terms of growth. Certainly, people obviously acknowledge that there's been a little bit of a slowdown in the deal space, but Dan continues to, and his team, Dan Siebert and his team at Echelon, continue to point out that there are big multiple spreads between what buyers, the big buyers are paying and what they value their equity at. And he has felt that there's room for some actually valuation increase still in, in two ways, not only in terms of potential multiples going up for the acquirers as well, which obviously creates more room on the buy side, but also that you can you might get a squeeze down from the 10. So let's say they're buying it at 12 and they're out of 22, buying it at 14 and they're out of 24, that more of that 10 point difference might be shared with the the sellers over time and squeeze squeeze that 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 margin a bit. We'll see what that whether that happens over time. It'll be interesting to see. I know there was discussion. I mentioned this one client that we helped do their first wirehouse acquisition deal. There was certainly discussion with a number of other folks there, both in the hallway, so to speak, and also from the stage about this being an area that some people are looking into and some people still stay away from it. It's a different deal than buying a, a, a independent firm. And that's for a number of reasons. It's You need to structure it differently in order to get capital gains treatment, for example, for the warehouse advisors, because they don't own assets, what we would think client lists and, and goodwill of their own, meaning business goodwill from an entity that they have to sell, but they do have something called personal goodwill. And we've structured many of those transactions. But again, so it's different from the tax side. It's different from the representations and warranties that you can get. It's different from the information that can be transferred over in, in a, buying an independent firm where the owner is selling it. You don't have someone else competing for the clients, whereas on a breakaway team that you're buying, of course, there is the existing warehouse or firm is going to compete with them. There are different ways to do it, so different on different aspects and different structuring, and they need different expertise. And we've actually been fortunate to be called in to guide in that area because sometimes the law firms that 
the PE-funded aggregators and integrators and acquirers who are great firms, they just have less experience or, or no experience in these wirehouse breakaway deals. So we come in as additional counsel on the buy side. It was fun on the other side of the deal. I mentioned I had clients there who were just thinking about selling and it was fun to watch them absorb and learn. And because even if you're in the industry and you hear stuff generally, if you haven't made the decision to sell, you focus on growing your business, right? Maybe you buy, in fact, in this client's case, we've been helping them buy up some of their existing firms and practices. So they've been more focused on that side. And although they read the press, in the industry press, and hear things generally, until you start focusing on that as a project, to potentially sell and digging in, there's, there's a lot to learn. They were appreciative of being there and get all the information that they got, made some connections for them. Yeah, it was, listen, I, I think in any industry that you're in, there, like in this industry, there's a, a thousand conferences you can go to. It's ad draining. I could be at 15 or 20 conferences. You know, I tend to be very careful about the ones that I commit my time to. But this is an example of a conference that is just very focused across industries. Our ideal client are companies looking to grow. They can be smaller, they can be bigger, but they're looking to grow. And then obviously on the other side, sell side, looking to exit. But hopefully we've been working with them from the beginning, help them grow, and then eventually exit. These, these M&A conferences are, are generally good, in the, and especially in, in, in the niches we work in. And this is certainly one of them. So... Yeah. So I, I would encourage you, if you're to pick and choose where you go, some people always spend time on conferences and it could be a waste of time. And some people aren't out there. Some people, you know, a lot of people say to me, Hey, Corey, where do we find deal partners? And sure, you can go through the investment bankers. You can go through other intermediaries and that's one of the routes, but there are other routes. And, and sometimes, especially if you're not Talking about, if you're talking about doing other kinds of deals, strategic alliances, joint ventures, licensing deals, things like that, there, there isn't as much of an ecosystem in some industries and intermediaries and things like that for certain types of deals that there are for, let's say, M&A and capital raising. One of the things I always say to people is, listen, go to conferences, meet people, have lunch, talk to people, get to know them. That's one of the ways you can potentially find deal partners, just by building relationships and and those deals could very possibly be quote unquote off market deals, right? If you're looking to buy in certain industries, certainly in, in financial services and wealth management, in the RA space, every sell is going to be courted by a lot of folks. And listen, if they're going to sell to one of the big folks and it's going to be based upon top dollar and top valuation, if you're a smaller player, you may not be able to compete. There are buyers that have various motivations and they're not always that. And, and I do many deals in that below. And we, like I said, we work with some of those top buyers, but we also do many deals on the buy and sell side on, on the rungs below that. And sometimes the motivation is different, right? People looking for a new home, partnership, expanded capabilities to get out of the administration, that kind of stuff. There's a lot that you could potentially offer somebody. And if you built a relationship with them, whether it's locally in your local chambers of commerce or club, golf club or whatever it is, or at conferences, certainly there's much more. We do many deals with folks that you have known each other, got to know each other, and just build some relationship and trust. And that's really what triggers the deal. So yeah, but conferences are a great choice. And this was certainly one of the good ones. All right, folks, I think that's enough. Again, I'm not going to delve into the details of every speaker. I've done more detailed uh, recaps in the past of these conferences. But what I think at this point, I think the theme here is, hey, industry continues to grow. Great opportunities out there. 
more money coming to the space and take advantage of the right key conferences. All right, folks. See you next week. Thank you for joining me on this episode of DealQuest, where we help you understand how deal-driven growth can be your ticket to freedom. I want to invite you to a unique way to tap into the wisdom and experience of the DealQuest community. Join the DealQuest Deal Den Zoom calls, a free monthly 90-minute mastermind. In the mastermind, we address all the challenges you may be facing and help support you with the opportunities that may arise in terms of deal-driven growth. You will get input not only from me, but all the members on the call will collaborate and serve each other in a mastermind format. To sign up for the free mastermind, go to www.coreycupfer.com slash dealden. That's coreycupfer.com slash dealden. I'll see you there. I'm Corey Kupfer. Until next week, wishing you the freedom and financial prosperity that I know your deal quest will bring.